Would you stand with me, please? We honor you today, Lord, and we thank you for your righteousness. We pray today that as we hear the word of God, that you will give us ears to hear. Help me as I bring this message that we will remember that, God, you have a side that deals with judgment. And we have to remember that while you are a God of love, your holiness demands that sin be atoned for, be paid. God, your son died for us. The invitation has been extended. Today we pray that people won't turn a deaf ear to the word of God, but that they will hear God's word. Because of your holiness, Lord, with people who don't understand it, that sin has to be paid. While your son paid the price, if we refuse to accept him, then we have to suffer that penalty. May we remember it's by your grace and mercy that we're even drawn to you. So we pray that we will take full advantage of your wonderful grace, your love and mercy. We give you praise in Jesus' name. I want you to remain standing just as um, we read the scripture. Obadiah chapter, it's only one chapter, but Obadiah 10 and 12 through 12. This is what it says. I'm going to just read it from here. Obadiah 10 through 12. Because of the violence done to your brother Jacob, Shame shall cover you, and you shall be cut off forever. On the day that you stood aloof, on the day that strangers carried off his wealth, and foreigners entered his gates, and cast lots for Jerusalem, you were like one of them. But do not gloat over the day of your brother in the day of his, of his misfortune. Do not rejoice over the people of Judah in the day of the ruin. Do not boast in the day of distress. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. You may be seated. We've come to the book of Obadiah. As you know, we do series. And I get to a book, I go generally through that entire book. And we're in now part four of our series, When Pride Meets With Coming Judgment. When Pride Meets With Coming Judgment. In our series, we have come to discover that Esau had descendants, and they were called the Edomites. Jacob, his twin brother, also had descendants, often referred to as Israel. The Lord God changed Jacob's name to Israel. And there had also been a dividing of the kingdom of Israel between the southern and the northern kingdoms after Solomon had died. When we consider the promises of God and consider what the Lord is doing, God said that, Solomon, I am going to bring judgment on you because you have forsaken me. You went after and served other gods. When I had blessed you, had given you wisdom, but because of my love for your father David, I am not going to do it during your lifetime. I'm going to do it after you die. And it was through his son, Rehoboam, who refused to listen to the counsel of the wise men, where we find the division or the separation occurring within the Israelites, northern and southern. Ten of the tribes went with Jeroboam, two of the tribes with Rehoboam, Benjamin and Judah. 
Whatever mistakes we make in life, it is not a surprise to God. Whatever sins we commit in life, it is not something that God does not understand. Whatever we do, we need to understand that God sees it all. When we sin, when we make a mistake, God is not surprised. But God wants us to ask for forgiveness. He wants us to repent. So even when we do wrong, he is beckoning us to come back to him. So when you do wrong, you shouldn't say, oh, well, I've done wrong. I should, I, I've just gone too far. I can't come back to the Lord. No, you can. You can return. It was Edom who refused to repent, and it was Edom who caused his brother a major problem, Jacob. When Jacob was at their lowest, or Judah, I should say, were at their lowest, children of Israel, Jacob's descendants, Edom kicked them when they were down. Esau refused to come to the rescue. Whenever you see the name Esau, you know that the descendants are Edom, the Edomites. He refused to come to help his brothers when they were going to go into captivity. How does a person remain appropriate in their reactions when God's judgment has come against another? Pride is a serious offense to God and an offense that he does not take lightly. Judgment is not always corrective, but there are times when judgment is for destruction. To be treated as an enemy of God is never a good thing. None of the enemies of God can ever boast of having a winning record. To be viewed as an enemy of God carries the unfortunate reality of loss and without any repentance, total loss. So we find Edom, who was a brother of Israel, having blood ties, being convicted as an enemy of God, with the judgment of God leading to their total destruction. You always want to have God show mercy in his judgment, because if no mercy is shown, then utter destruction is the course. In verses 10 through 12, the Lord changes courses of speaking about judgment of Edom to talking about the prohibitions that they should guard against, warning them of things that they should turn from. But they had already been doing the very things that God had listed. Verse 10 begins to to outline the wrong that Edom did against Jacob. When you get to verse number 10... We have in Scripture what's called a pericope, or actually in verse 5. A pericope is a passage of Scripture, P-E-R-I-C-O-P-E. It is a passage of Scripture. Oftentimes, it would be read in a service. It's something where when we look at verse 5 of Obadiah, it begins a series, and some commentators believe when you get to verse number 10 that it ends the course of what's called the pericope. Look at verse number 5. I'll give you an example. It says, If thieves came to you, if plunderers came by night, how you have been destroyed. Were they not still only enough for themselves? Verse 5 begins what is said to be a pericope. And verse 10, some commentator says, in that section between verses 5 and 10. In verse 10 it says, Because of the violence done to your brother Jacob, shame shall cover you, and you shall be cut off forever. Now let me say this. There are some other commentators that say the beginning of verse number 10 begins to talk about actually the consequences that God was going to outline and what the Lord was outlining against 
against Edom. So pericope, a passage of scripture. Verse number 10, because of the violence done to your brother, your brother Jacob, when Israel split, there was northern and there was southern, the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. The Lord had said that if you worship a false gods, if you go after them, I'm going to cause your enemies to come in and to take you out of the land, and you're going to have to pay the consequences of your wrongdoing. But I'm going to leave a remnant. I'm going to leave a people there so that when I have chastised you, I will bring you back. When it comes to the, to the people of Esau, the Lord does not give such an invitation of return. He says, I'm going to treat you like an enemy. So that like many of the Israelites' enemies, there was no way for them to be returned or there was no way for them to be restored. When God destroyed them, he would completely remove them and their name from the earth. The Lord says, I'm going to do that to Edom because when your brother was at risk, when they were suffering the consequences, you stood by and you watched. You didn't offer them any help. So the Lord says, because of the violence that was done to your brother Jacob, shame, Esau, is going to come upon you. And you shall be cut off, the Bible says, forever. He says, I'm going to destroy you. I'm going to remove you. One of the concerns that we have to remember as the people of God, we never want to get to a place where God says, I'm going to remove you, and there's not going to be any mercy shown. We really have to depend upon the mercy of God in our lives. Because if God does not show any mercy, then there's no way for us to be restored. So the Lord says, I'm going to completely cut you off, as I've done to other nations. I'm going to, he says, wipe you from the face of the earth. God is saying, I'm not going to even leave for you, Esau, a remnant. You will be totally destroyed. Why? He says, because your brother, you had blood tied and you stood there and you would not offer support. And not only did you do that. When they were down, you were the ones that came in and you kind of waited and then you came and ransacked the land. There will be no return. There will be no remembering. Often even when Israel would sin, God would leave, as I said, a remnant. And my first point I forgot to give you to was no return. We never want to get to the place where there's no return. Have you ever heard that thing, a point of no return? You never want to get to a place of no return. You always want to have a place where God says, come on back, I forgive you. People that refuse to come to God, who refuse to respond to the loving woo and calling of God, are getting to a place of no return. When God extends his mercy and his hand of love and his grace, it is a way of saying, I am welcoming you back to myself. When we refuse to adhere or to acknowledge or to um, to take part in and to listen to and to do what God says, when we refuse to do that, we are telling God, I am willing to take your judgment and I'm okay with you saying there's no 
return. While God is long-suffering, his long-suffering does come to an end. Obadiah is a book about judgment. There is never any mention in the book of Obadiah about Edom ever repenting. There will not be the ability to hide from God. Do you not know that you cannot hide from God? When sometimes I was trying to do wrong and, and I was told to do some of my parents and I didn't do it, I tried to sweep the evidence away. I would sweep the, the go throw all my clothes in the closet, under the bed, something, because I, I didn't do what I was told to do. I would have naturally took the time and put them in the hamper, folded them, but I forgot. And at the last moment, I tried to hide the evidence. But all they had to do was come and look and open up a couple of things, and they saw it all there. None of y'all did that. I've done that. I was told to have those steps swept before they got back, and I continued to play. And lo and behold, I remembered at the last moment, and you could see me rushing down, trying to sweep down those steps, and dust flying everywhere. I didn't want to get to the place of no return. (laughs) You have to be able and willing to accept God's corrective action. I am so concerned when I look at Edom, the descendants of Esau, who had been blessed by God, who refused to accept his loving help. Why would a person be willing to face God and say, I'm willing to stand on my own merits. I'm willing to stand on my own principles. When we consider why Christ came, the fact that he came to die for our sins, the fact that he was given as a sacrifice to stand in our place, why would you try to go around Christ to stand in God before God yourself and push Christ to the background? You can't do that. Why would you do that? He is the mediator. You want a mediator between you and God. And when we refuse to acknowledge and to adhere to God, we will have a problem. So, the Bible says, because of the violence done to your brother Jacob, shame shall cover you, and you shall be cut off forever. That matter of being cut off, meaning that there is no return. I'm going to remove you so that I don't even remember that you existed. Point two. Being one with the enemy. Being one with the enemy. In verse 11, it says, on the day that you stood aloof, on the day that strangers cared off his wealth, and foreigners entered his gates and cast lots for Jerusalem. He said, you were like one of them. Now, as I mentioned before, there were three invasions by Nebuchadnezzar upon the land of Judah, Jerusalem. There were three invasions. There was one in 605 B.C., 597, and then 587, 586 B.C., Three invasions, 605, 597, and 587, 586 B.C. When King Nebuchadnezzar came from the land of Babylon to Judah, the third time that he came, there was an 18-month siege, meaning that when an enemy came to battle, they would lay siege. In other words, they would shut up the city, or what they were about to invade so that people could not come in nor go out. And so the Bible says here in verse 11, on the day that you stood aloof, 
on the day is a reference not on the day that Nebuchadnezzar came on the first day, but on the day where he actually entered into Jerusalem after that 18 months when he took the city. On the day that he did this, or even the day that he was leaving, when he is there, you are standing there aloof. Now, that matter of standing aloof is not passive. Sometimes when we think of that word aloof, we're kind of just standing idle watching. No, it is meaning that there was an active opposition to your brothers. Now, why is this important? This is important because... In verse 10, the Bible calls Jacob by name. It doesn't say Israel. It is a reference in 10, and as we go through that, it is a reference to the fact that they were blood brothers. So in other words, the significance not only of being blood brothers, but of being Jacob and Esau, twins, should have meant that you should have come to their aid because you were connected by kinship. But you, the Bible says, acted like one of the enemies. You were being one with the enemy against the very one that you should have been drawn to. God took special note of what Esau had done and was going to treat them not as a brother of Jacob, but as he would treat an enemy of Judah. I'm going to treat you, he says, as an enemy. Just like you partner with the enemy... I'm going to then treat you this way. You never, ever want to have God treat you as an enemy. You want to say, you want God to say that you are the apple of my eye. That's what you want to be known as. You want to be called a friend of God. I've told you before, when the Lord ever says, woe, you need to pay attention to that because woe often means judgment or the fact that there's danger. The Lord is saying to Esau, woe Esau. Not because they didn't have the ability to repent or the chance, but they had refused. Be careful when you join forces with another against the church or a person of God. Even though God may be disciplining someone, be very careful how you respond. Why? Because... The Bible is very clear that God does not like pride. Oftentimes, he might even cut a matter short based on how you respond. Say, oh, yeah, get him, God. I want to see everything that you do. No, be very careful. (laughs) The Bible says that vengeance is mine. It is God who judges. But you want to be very careful that you're not joining forces. It's a sad thing that when a person on the outside of the church and a person on the inside of the church join together to talk about another person in the church that's a believer. Believers should stand together, and when there is sin, there needs to be corrective action. But what did Esau do? Esau stood there like a vulture, like what one commentator said, stood there like a vulture waiting for the destruction to happen. You know what vultures do? They just sit there and fly around, sit in the wire and wait. If you see a bunch of vultures around, look for something dead. Look for death to occur. You, you never want to be in the desert and see vultures flying across around you. <laughs> you never want to see that. They were like vultures, the Bible says. In, in, in other words, they were standing there watching the destruction. You know what they were planning to do? They're going to swoop in. 
everything is done, if they didn't participate with Babylon and go through the land and take what was left. And this is the warning that the Lord is giving to them. The Lord is saying to them, on the day that you stood aloof, on the day that strangers cut off his wealth and cast lots for Jerusalem, you were like one of them on that day. But do not gloat. That was a matter of rejoicing over their destruction. There are three comments that the Lord gives in verse 12. And between verses 12 and 14, there are eight matters of the Bible saying, do not. In verse 12, but do not gloat over the day of your brother. Don't gloat over the day of your brother, the disaster, in the day of his misfortune. Do not rejoice over the people of Judah in the day of their ruin. Do not boast in the day of distress. Three warnings given by God to Edom not to do in verse 12. These are the very things that they are actually doing. Don't do it. Warning should come to help us to recognize that we can actually be helped by God if we heed the warning. One of the things that I liked when I was growing up is being given a second chance. When I was about to get in trouble, I don't want you to do this again. I love that. I, I, I love hearing, now don't do this, or next time. Woo! I was just thinking at the moment, because I was able to escape whatever was about to happen. Now, I, I tell you this, I tell you this, uh, um, parents, and again, back in the day, we were treated a little bit differently than kids today. We got, um, they say spank, we got whipped back in the day. <laughs> Let me say this. I got a time out after I got whipped. Now go to your room. <laughs> it wasn't go sit in your room and think about it. No, -uh, I had a little help as I went there. Now today I know the things that you know, they say are, are different. But I'm going to tell you this. In the Old Testament, the Bible speaks of discipline. I thank God today that he has allowed there to be a change so that when there was rebellion for young people, the Lord didn't say they had to be stoned. Back in the day, you didn't want to live back in the day in the Old Testament because when there was a child that would not re, re, who refused to do right and would do wrong, the Bible says take him out, outside the camp, get some rocks, Oh, thank God for his mercy. But see, remember this. That was the penalty and the price for living under the law. You break the law. This is where the consequences. And even within that, there was God's grace and mercy. Then you have the spanking. Now today, parents are told not to do certain things. And you see certain things so out of control right now. Why? Because people have gotten away from the word of God to the point to where right now, if you look at kids the wrong way, they want to say, you're in trouble. Mm. I, I'm going to just share this with you as I move on. Still, there are no laws in California that says spanking is against the law. Now, abuse is. But spanking is not off the books. I've had some parents spank their child right in the counseling room. Uh-oh, should I say that? On, on? This kid was going off. I guess he thought he was safe in there with me. With his and, and I just happened to remind the father, you know, you know, you know, there's no law that says you can't. I mean, he, the way he's, you know. 
And the father, one more time. And that kid did it one more time. And the father got him. And I just asked him, what, we ready to go on? (laughs) How do we accept correction? Edom was in a place where they could have accepted help, but they would not. They stood aloof while their brother was at risk. And then like a vulture, they came and they swooped in to take that which was remaining. So the Bible says, do not gloat over the day of your brother. Don't you gloat. Don't you take pride in. Don't you rejoice when destruction comes. Don't do it. Then he says, do not rejoice over the people of Judah in the day of their ruin. Do not boast in the day of distress. In other words, don't be happy because you see misfortune coming because you think you can benefit from it. Be careful when you rejoice over the destruction of somebody else because you think you can benefit from what's happening. Be very, very careful of that. I think that we have to always remember that God has extended his arms to people through us. Do you not know when you say, well, why doesn't God do this? Because God uses people to touch the needs of people. And sometimes you've got to be careful not to get in the way when God is, is placing judgment or disciplining someone. You've got to be very careful not to get in the way. Now, in this book of Obadiah, Edom is the one that is being targeted, but they had every opportunity to do that which is right. In the book of Deuteronomy, I'm going to read one passage as I begin to wrap up. Deuteronomy chapter 23, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy chapter 23. I'm going to read verse number 7. Deuteronomy 23 verse 7 says this. You shall not abhor an Edomite, for he is your brother. You shall not abhor an Egyptian, because you were a sojourner in his land. Back in the book of Deuteronomy, the second law, the Lord was telling the Israelites how they were supposed to treat the Edomites back in the day. Now, get this. The matter is reversed. The Lord is telling them, no matter what happens, I want you to retreat. I want you to treat the Edomites right. Why? Because they are your brother. This is the warning that God gave them towards the Edomites. Treat them right. And then the Lord even told them, even the Egyptians, be careful how you respond because you were a sojourner in their land. But then when you come to Obadiah, Edom didn't even remember how God had told the children of Israel back in the book of Deuteronomy, the second law, when they were coming to the land, that they were supposed to treat them right. They didn't remember the blessing that God told them and God, what God said to them and how they were to be treated. What they did, they basically just said, we don't care. So we have the matters now reversed where Edom should be caring for their brother and they don't. How do you care for the body of Christ? How do you care for a loved one? How do you care for a person that is a brother to you in the Lord? Let's say not even physical in the sense of a physical relationship, but spiritually. How do you look after and look to help a brother that's in need? I was in in Monterey, and I went next door to Denny's. We have a a hotel that we stay at, 
there is a Denny's right next door. And about 12 o'clock or so, I guess I went out to get something to eat. And while I um, went there, went to go order food, because I always take it back to the room. So while I was there, Mel was still in, in the room. I was sitting there and ordered, and I was waiting for my food to come. Now, it was cold. It was pretty cold the few nights that we were down there. It was cold this night. And while I was sitting there waiting, a gentleman came inside. He asked for some water. And the waitress got a cup, some ice, put it in the cup, and she brought it and she gave it to him. While he turned, right before he turned, I heard the Holy Spirit say, give him something to eat. So he had turned and walked out the door, and I asked the, the waitress, I said, do you think he wants something to eat? And she says he might. And what she did, she herself went out the door and asked him, did you want something to eat? The gentleman decides he's going to pay, willing to pay for it. He seemed to embarrass, seemed kind of embarrassed to come in, and so I went outside. And I said, what would you like? Now, I don't get this often, but I've had it happen a couple of times. And so while he's standing there, he mentioned what he wanted, and says, okay. I said, I'll go back in and, and order so I walked back inside, and there was nothing just on the menu as that. So I, she kind of looked through some things. I said, you know, that's fine. She was going to cost this. I said, that's fine. Ordered the food. My food came when she placed the order, got my food, and as I was about to leave, there were two other gentlemen on the bench, and I was, I was walking out. They said to me, thank you for that. And they looked homeless. I walked outside to the gentleman who was standing there. He told me his name, and he says, thank you so much. Went back to the hotel, told Mel what happened. I then said, what were the chances for me leaving the hotel at that time when I had been saying, I'm going to go, or just kind of been waiting, to have that person come in at that moment and have the Holy Spirit whispering and say, get him something to eat. Now, I could have ignored saying, I don't know him. But to try to fend for himself, that's not what the Lord told me to do. You have a need to help a person that the Lord places on your heart in need. It doesn't mean you're going to help everyone, but how responsive are you? Edom wasn't responsive to their brother. Stop there and watch. Do you gloat over your enemies, over other people when disaster happens? Let me share one final thing. Some years ago when I went to Los Angeles... When Joshua was playing basketball, I drove there for a tournament that they were in. And I'd been driving all day, and I told some of y'all this. I got to the hotel, and I was tired, and I was hungry. So I thought to myself, there's a Denny's down the street. <laughs> and I had been there before, and that, it was, that one next door in Monterey is good. And the one in L.A., the one I had gone to, that was a good one, too. All of them the same now. Anyway. I said, I got just enough time to go get something to eat, get back to the hotel, and eat and go to the game. Because I was going to walk over to the, the center. As I got my food, and I'm just, oh, my, I'm, I'm just kind of excited. Got my pancakes and eggs and got my milk. As I'm walking down the street, a person was walking past me, and the Lord says, give him your food. This is what I did. I walked past, and I stopped. 
and stood there for about 20 seconds. Did I hear you right, Lord? And I looked back to see where that person was. He had stopped and was sitting at a bus stop about 20 feet away. He stopped and sat and was over by the by, by bus stop. And I still stood there. Lord, are you sure? Because <laughs> I'm hungry. I've been driving all day. And I got just enough time to eat and go to the game. So I stood there probably about two, almost two minutes and turned and looked at the guy. He didn't go anywhere. He was still sitting there. So I turned around, walked to where he was. I said, uh, have you eaten anything today? He said, I had something earlier. I said, would you like to have this? He says, yes. Thank you. And I have my milk. And I said, do you like milk? Would you like milk too? Yeah, well, thank you. And I handed him my milk. <laughs> I walked back around the corner to my room, and I went upstairs, and I sat down in the chair. Because I hadn't really had something like that just really happening that way. And I said, Lord, what was that? Because I clearly heard the Lord. It kind of blew me away. up, made me stop. Am I hearing you right? Because you know I'm hungry. Maybe just want to make sure we're right. We got the same signals. So I didn't eat at all, and I was fine. Went to the game. I left. Went back to that same Denny's. Ordered the same thing. Saw the same guy and another person at the bus stop. And as I walked by, I saw him point to me. To the person that says, he's the one that got me something to eat. I didn't feel urged to give him that one. But... But I saw that person, and for the next two days, I saw that individual and would point out towards me as I walked by. Let me say this, people. You never know what God's going to do. Stand to your feet. You never know what God is going to do in regards to helping people. Don't treat people as an enemy, even if they are. Look for ways for God to use you to bless them. How different would it have been for Esau to turn to Jacob, his brother, and say, I'm coming to your defense. In 2020, I want you to look for ways how to bless people. Look for ways for God to say, God, what can I do to bless people? Lord, in this place today as we end, we pray that we will have a heart, not to stand aloof, but a heart of being helpful and being willing to help people. We will have a desire in our heart to love people and to be willing to give of ourselves and what you have given us. May we be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. May we be sensitive to obey the word of God. We give you glory and praise in Jesus' name.